The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Is there irrefutable evidence that God is still in the miracle business? Next on Life Today, best-selling author of The Case for Christ now trains his investigative sites on The Case for Miracles. But sometimes we feel like we're deists. In other words, that God is distant. God is disinterested in us. God is kind of checked out. <laughs> and, and we know the Bible tells us he hasn't, and yet sometimes it feels that way. And you wonder, is he still active in our world doing the miraculous? This gentleman you know, my father, James Robinson, and you know what, Dad? Last time we had this guest on, you missed it, and I told you, Sheila and I were, were thrilled that we had him, but yeah. but boy, haven't you just enjoyed getting to know this just guy? Just even being with him for a little while, but here's the thing, you and Sheila enjoyed him so much. When you finally was coming back, you said, why don't you and Mom go away here? <laughs> and Mom had something to do tonight, but I said, I'm coming, I want to be with him because... Uh, well, why don't we just welcome the, the one who wrote A Case for Christ, who's now, it's a movie, and it's doing unbelievable, just phenomenal. And uh, now there's this book. It's amazing I'm reading a book about the case for miracles from a Baptist University professor. <laughs> <laughs> and it's incredible. A journalist investigates evidence for the supernatural. Lee Strobel, would you welcome Lee back to life today? Lee, good to see you, buddy. I mean, you, under, you understood. I said, you know, Baptists really, really believe the Bible. Yeah. And Baptist universities, certainly, they, they uphold the Bible. That's what they're, they're supposed to do. But it's almost as though we believe Jesus did them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we're not sure he keeps doing them. Like, we think, like, it's like he retired from him some important stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. never really made a lot of sense to me, even yeah. as a Baptist. Why would he stop? Why would the unchanging Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, Stop doing something that's so much a part of the great physician's psyche. Yeah. It's who he is. So why do you, as a university professor, take off on this? Were you just trying to stir trouble? What's no. with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was an atheist for much of my life, and it really was the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus that convinced me that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the unique son of God. And that's what brought me to faith, was that historical evidence for that miracle. Well... When I came to faith, I, I not only believe that, I believe the Gospels, I believe the other miracles that Jesus did, but, you know, I'm a skeptic by nature. My <laughs> background's in journalism and law. You imagine you put those two things together, what kind of a jerk that you, or skeptic, skeptic <laughs> that you get. And um, so I, I asked myself, oh, is this real? Does, is God still in the miracle business? Uh, or is there a lot of fraud involved? There are a lot of misdiagnosis, or could it be a spontaneous remissions, or could it be the placebo effect where people think they're gonna get better and so they do feel better? Um, so I thought, you know what, uh, even as a Christian, sometimes, I hate to admit this, but it's true, but sometimes we feel like we're deists. In other words, that God is distant. God is disinterested in us. God is kind of checked out. <laughs> and, and we know the Bible tells us he hasn't, and yet sometimes it feels that way. And you wonder, is he still 
active in our world doing the miraculous. And I thought, I just want to devote some time and investigate it, as I did as a journalist for the Chicago Tribune, to see, is there credible evidence? Is there irrefutable evidence that God is still in the miracle business? Today. Today. Now, you know. And there is, by the way. Yeah, by, the way <laughs> by the way, didn't you actually, too, see some things in religious settings where they talked about healing? Yeah. But it was obvious that there was a lot of manipulation, misrepresentation, and even total dishonesty about it. Yeah. Uh, so, which would set you back. It does. And, and you wonder, therefore, are all of these claims of miracles uh, overblown? And, you know, the truth is, and this is a terrible thing to admit about the church, but a lot of churches are embarrassed by the supernatural. Hmm. You know, uh, they want to be seen as normal by their neighbors. They want to be respectable. So we're not weird. We're just, we just believe in Jesus. We're just like you. Well, no, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. That makes us different. <laughs> and and uh, so some churches kind of downplay the miraculous. They're afraid. They don't want to uh, open the door to something that might be, quote, unquote, disruptive to the nice plans that have been set <laughs> forth. Yeah, word and, might get out, right? Yeah, the word might get out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I think that's unfortunate. We impoverish ourselves as Christians when we don't invite the miraculous into our midst. You know, five years ago, I was very ill. I almost died. And I had a lot of Christians who would come and pray for me uh, that I would be healed. Uh, but what was interesting, because I'm laying there and I'm listening to these prayers, and most of the prayers were like, guide the hands of the surgeons, um, relieve Lee of the pain. Um, and so... Very few came out and say, God, heal this man. Yeah. Heal this man. <laughs> and you know, if they did, they wouldn't want to be heard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except maybe by God only. Right, because what if I'm not healed? Right. Then I'm embarrassed about it, you know? <laughs> it didn't work. So, it didn't work. <laughs> so uh, I think we have these mixed emotions about uh, the miraculous. So before you go any further, because I know you're going to give us some cases that yeah. you, you talked to, how do you define a miracle? Yeah. It's interesting. I think people misdefine it a lot. They, they misunderstand it. Uh, um, David Hume, the famous um, atheist uh, from the 1700s, got it wrong. And, and what he said is a miracle is a violation of the laws of nature. No, it's not. Um, you know, if I were to take this book and drop it, the law of gravity says it'll hit the floor. Mm -hmm. But if I take this book and drop it and you reach in and grab it before it hits the floor, you haven't violated the law of gravity. You haven't overturned the law of gravity. You've merely intervened. Mm -hmm. And so that's what God does. I think a miracle is an event brought about by the power of God that is a temporary exception to the ordinary course of nature for the purpose of showing his involvement in our world. I think that wow. kind of sums it up. Okay. And when, okay. I see, when I see something that is absolutely extraordinary, that uh, goes beyond coincidence, for which there is no naturalistic explanation, for which uh, there is a spiritual setting, prayer involved, for instance, uh, and, and reliable eyewitnesses and medical documentations, the miracle bell goes off in my mind. <laughs> and you've seen some of these. I've seen some of them. I talked about documented, them in the book. And you confirmed. Absolutely. Irrefutable evidence. Irre I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Barbara. Uh, Barbara Snyder is her married name. Barbara Snyder was pi diagnosed at the Mayo Clinic with multiple sclerosis. Over a period of years, she deteriorated seriously. Many, multiple surgeries, multiple hospital stays. Now she's dying. She's in hospice at home. She's got a short time to live. She's shriveled up like a pretzel. Her fingers are touching her wrist. Her toes are extended. She, one lung is collapsed. The other lung is half collapsed. She's blind, except she can see gray shapes. Um, um, she's lost control of her urination and bowels. She has a tube in her 
her throat so she can breathe. She has a tube in her stomach so that she can Sir, eat. even as a skeptic, this is a serious problem. This, yeah. is, this is serious. And she's seen a lot of doctors, she, oh, some of the for, best. For decades, and as one doctor said, she was as hopelessly ill as any human being has ever seen. Hmm. So here she is, she's dying. Well, somebody called in WMBI, the Christian radio station in Chicago, and said, pray for Barbara, she's on her deathbed. Well, we know that 450 Christians began praying because they wrote letters saying, we're praying for you, Barbara. <laughs> wow. On Pentecost Sunday, she's in her bed. Two of her friends are there. They're reading her some of these letters that people had written saying they're praying for her. Barbara hears the voice of God coming from the corner of the room saying, get up, my child, and walk. <laughs> Which would be like saying to you, get up, James, and fly, because, you know, <laughs> she, she hadn't muscles. walked in yeah. seven years. Yeah, she had Her everything. legs had atrophied. She had no muscle tone. What did she do? She ends up pulling the tube out of her throat. She jumps out of bed. Her, she, she, she said to me, she said, Lee, I, first thing I noticed, my feet were flat on the floor. My feet had been flexed, and then my hands were normal. Then I realized I'm seeing. My oh, eyesight man. was bad. <laughs> yeah. Her mother comes running in, falls to her knees, and says, your calves are back. Her muscle tone had returned amazing, instantaneously. Glory to God. She was completely and totally and instantaneously healed. Amen. That night, there was a service at her Wesleyan church that all they knew was Barbara in a wheelchair, Barbara dying, and the pastor said, does anybody have any announcements? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and Barbara started walking down the center aisle. Woo! And people exploded. They began singing, I once was blind and now I see. Amazing grace. The next day she goes to her doctor. Her doctor said later, when she walked down the corridor, I thought she had died and this was a ghost. <laughs> he said, there is no medical explanation for this. No. This is a miracle. So this is credible eyewitnesses who have no reason to dispute this. Medical records going back for years. Two doctors have written about it in books because they were so amazed by it. <laughs> They're great? saying it's a miracle. Oh, um, it's just there's no naturalistic explanation. It's not a spontaneous remission because those have been over a period of time and often the illness comes back. Yeah. She's been healed now for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. She's healthier than I am. <laughs> Guess who she married? A pastor. <laughs> and they have a little church there in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Isn't that great? And she is, when you ask Do you her, like to hear this? I just wanted to do you like to hear this. Praise God. Praise God. It just, he is still in the miracle business. Yeah, you have to share some, some others with us. Yeah, well, one of the, uh, my favorites is the guest you had in your show, Dwayne Miller. I think you've had him in the past, haven't you? You know Dwayne? It's been a while. Dwayne, yeah. this, this guy who lost who his voice. lost his voice. His voice was paralyzed because of a virus. He was a singer and a Sunday school teacher. Exactly, a preacher. He lost his job because he can't <laughs> preach anymore. And, um, and he went to 63 doctors over three years, uh, including a Swiss symposium of experts on the voice who all said, there's no hope. Your voice's vocal cords are paralyzed, and um, there's zero chance of coming back. But his Sunday school class at First Baptist Houston said, come on and preach. He said, I can't <laughs> preach. I mean, no, no, no. You, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to you because we love you. And so they put a microphone on him. He starts preaching from uh, Psalm 103, yeah. which talks about God's power to <laughs> heal. heal. <laughs> and as he's preaching, for the first time in three years, it was like this hand he felt around his throat came up and he's all of a sudden his voice returns and as he talked about sometimes the verse talks about being in a pit he said we've all had pit experiences and all of a sudden his voice comes back yeah. and the interesting thing is it was tape recorded yep. yeah. and See, he came here with it what you gotta understand is he came here shortly after it happened 
And so he lets us hear it. And we're absolutely stunned. Yeah. This cannot be happening. We're yeah. listening to it happen. And these people you, you are watching. witnessed a miracle. And then he, right. he stood up and sang here yeah. with a powerful yeah. voice, which couldn't be. And you know what he does now? He's got a radio show. Yeah. Oh, oh, things. A, a radio show. Using his show. voice. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, three things I learned from this book. Number one, God is still in the miracle business. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, there are a lot more miracles than we think. And number three, there are a lot better documented miracles than we suppose. Interesting point, because you did a, you commissioned a survey yeah. to find out sort of the mood of, of Americans was strictly in the United States? Yes. Or, okay. And you found out that there was a group of people in our country yeah. who believe in miracles at a higher rate yeah. than the rest of the yeah, country. Yeah, this is interesting. This is crazy. Among the average population in America, among the adults, 38% say they have had an experience in their life that can only be explained as a miracle of God. 38%. 38%. But among physicians, 55% say they have seen a miracle in their practice. <laughs> These, These are, are the, the educated. They're trained not to believe. Exactly. Right, right. Exactly. In fact, Skeptic Magazine did an article and said only the uneducated believe in miracles. Well, you had a majority of physicians who believe in miracles. They're and, on the front lines. You know, and, and yeah. you know, do the math. If, if, if we have 38% of Americans saying that they have had a miracle in their life, let's say just for argument, 99% are mistaken. Let's say 99% are just great coincidences. Mm -hmm. That would still mean there'd be a million miracles (laughs) that have taken place. God is more active than we give him credit for. I talked to one guy, um, I won't use his name, but um, uh, he's a scholar. And um, he's in a denomination now that really doesn't talk much about the Holy Spirit, doesn't talk much about miracles. But he grew up as a charismatic in a church where miracles happened a lot. And I'm talking to him, and he's telling me stories from his childhood about miracles, and he started to weep. Hmm. He said, I miss it. I miss that life where we were open to the miraculous and we saw it take place. And, uh, you know, it's changed my life. It's, it's, it's changed me. It's, and, 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 you know, this ought to be something that, that Christians can rally around and, and, and yeah. find unity in, yeah. the fact that God is still God. Yeah. That's, that shouldn't be controversial, that God is still God. You've got to believe that a church that's fractured, a church that argues among itself, a church that butts heads with itself, um, the Holy Spirit's not going to work as freely as if we are unified in our love for Christ and our love for people. And I, I got to believe, as you do, that when that happens, the miracles will flow in a more um, uh, prolific way. Well, Lee, I not only have a longing for that, I believe I join our Lord in the longing for yeah. it. And since he prayed for it, we can know it's yeah. very important as well as possible. Yeah. So we should I think be as for one. Christians to join together and pray, Lord, let us be like you are yeah. right here because you are in us. Let us become that body of believers. Let yeah. us let's become that, that literal, let's say, vessel through which you flow your yeah. power freely because we're so yielded. Yeah. And, and do you think that for us to really hold that hope up pray for it, seek to be a part of that supernatural unity, which we're having right here. We're not having a strain to decide we're family in love with the Father, wanting Him to do what only He can do. So am I I my own target to hear that in my spirit? I I think that's true. I think that, um, you know, it only makes sense that as the church is one, as Jesus prayed that we would be as one, when that happens, 
miracles are going to flow more naturally. Mm -hmm. I, I think we're going to see the power of God exhibited in a more powerful way. And that's why it's so important that we root out these, these irrelevant uh, arguments and so forth that just tend to divide us and rally around the core of, of who God is so that we can celebrate that, we can worship him and love people in that kind of freedom. One thing I have to ask you, because there's somebody out there watching right now who is saying, I believe in miracles. I've asked for miracles. I've begged for miracles, yeah. but I haven't seen it. Right. What do you say to them? I knew I couldn't write a book about miracles without dealing with that question. My wife is in chronic pain every day of her life. Um, she will be the rest of her life every day uh, unless God does a miracle, and he hasn't. And a couple things we have to remember. Number one, God is sovereign. Every person I interviewed who has had an incredible miracle in their life, like Barbara, I ask them, why you? and not my wife, and they say, I don't know. Mm. There's no formula, I didn't do anything to deserve mm. it. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, so God is sovereign, God will do as he will do. Uh, that's number one. Number two, keep in mind in the, in the New Testament, healings weren't automatic either. Uh, Matthew says uh, Jesus didn't do many miracles in Nazareth. Uh, in Matthew chapter 10, the disciples are given the authority to heal, but then seven chapters later, they failed to heal an epileptic boy. Mm. Um, uh, Paul left Trophimus sick, I didn't heal him and went off. And Paul was not healed of the thorn in his flesh. Mm. So it wasn't automatic mm. in those days either. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Um, and sometimes we have to pray a prayer of relinquishment. And a prayer of relinquishment is sort of what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is um, where we would say, God, I don't, want, I don't want to make this healing an idol. I don't love you only if you'll heal me. Mm -hmm. I love you because, I, because you are God and you love me first. Yeah. And that's why I love you. And I'm not going to make this a barrier between you and me. Yeah. I do not know why you're not healing me, but I know that you are powerful. I know you are good. I know you love me. I believe Romans 8.28 when it says you will cause good to emerge. That's not a cliche. That's biblical truth. Mm -hmm. You will cause good to emerge from the sufferings that we go through if we're called and according to his purpose and so. Um, so there's some things to keep in mind along those lines. It's still difficult to wrestle with. But, you know, I'm a grandfather, and uh, my little granddaughter, one of them came up to me and, and asked for a horse. God bless her. She loves to ride horses. But you know what? It'd be a bad thing if I gave her a horse. That would be a disaster, you know. And so as a good grandfather, I had to say no. Uh, does she understand that? No. We don't understand God's ways. Um, he loves us and he does what is best. He sees the big picture that we don't see. Yeah. And sometimes it'll allow short-term suffering even, uh, allow that to happen for an ultimate good that we don't see, yeah. but he does. Yeah. Let me just say I sure love you. Thank God you. God bless you. Would God you bless. say thanks to Lee, to God for using him. This is a fabulous, fabulous book written by a truly gifted, God-anointed author. And thank you so much, Lee, thank for you. all you've offered us to help build us up in Christ and build Christ up in us, literally, yeah. to help shape us. We love to love people. <laughs> and uh, we love a lot of people that are seldom noticed. Mm. And I grew up knowing what that felt like because I was a poor kid and nobody ever came to my house to visit, go to church. I know what that's like. But I also know what it's like when love looks in to the darkness of anyone's situation and full expression, you're going to see tremendous opportunity, not just need, opportunity for love to flow. Very important week, last days, 
what happens will determine someone's life and even destiny. Let's let love freely flow. Watch. It really just breaks my heart how the children in this village know what it means to have an empty bowl. Because empty bowls mean empty stomachs. And empty stomachs mean going to bed night after night, suffering from the pain of hunger, starvation, malnutrition, and ultimately death. The graves are full, full of children, precious little lives, children who have a name, children who mean so much to their family, children whose lives are stolen simply because they didn't have enough food. We can change that. We can end that pain. We can end the suffering of children going to bed at night with the pain of hunger. We can end the cycle of death of mother burying child because she wasn't able to give them enough food. It's so easy to change it. Please give the gift of life to these children and fill their empty bowls. I can't tell you how much I want us to pick those little children up. And maybe you didn't notice, uh, he had just kind of an ordinary bowl, but right beside him there was a big tub full of bowls like this. You know where they came from? Somebody like you kept watching these little children with their old tin cans, rusty cans, plastic bags, whatever they could bring to get something to eat. And the soup has to be hot because we're dealing with water that's not always the purest, and it has to be boiled. And it would burn their little fingers. Sometimes people watched them drop their little bowls or their little can, and they'd fall down in the ground and start eating it right off the dirt. And our viewers said, let's give them heat-resistant bowls. There was a whole tub of those. Love paid for that. But love did something even more important than that. It filled the bowls with a manifestation of love. It filled them with food that was nourishing, literally established with a scientific biological overview of the very nutrition, nutritional needs in that particular area, what's lacking. That's what love does. Right now in the last week of this emphasis, where a couple of times a year we come and ask you to give food for the next months with a single gift. This is the last week for this emphasis. That means for the next months, these children that have been impacted with a horrible drought, one of the worst in the last several decades, really need our help. 400,000 of them organized. The missionaries have located them. They've said, you come here. And in many instances, they got something to start with. But now they're waiting to know they can continue the feeding and those lines will get longer. 
So as Betty prayed continually in our mission outreach, God let the lines to feed them always be longer than those who need to be fed. All right, that's what we need right now. This last week, we need a mighty outpouring of God's love, and we need it expressed in action. See, not just in word, but in deed. So would you right now go online, or would you dial that number that's a prayer line for you if you have a broken heart or a need, and it's paid for by love. But would you right now in love, would you take your bank card, go online, call the number, take that card, and use it like a check. But I'm asking you to make the largest gift you possibly can. Now remember this. This is what I'm saying. 30, 50, or $100, I'm not exaggerating. 30, 50, or 100 feeds three, five, or 10 children for the next several months. Did you hear what I said? What you do right now. $1,000 will feed 100. I'm praying for many people today who can. I'm sending $1,000. I'm going to feed 100 kids. But if you can feed three, don't consider that small. It's huge to the mothers you just saw, to those children. It's life. 30, 50, 100, whatever you can do. We've got some gifts to send you that will help you really understand and grasp God's wisdom even more clearly. We'll send it to say thanks. Please, if you write a check, make the life, but call us. Call us, tell us you're putting the check in the mail. The missionaries need to know. Thank you right now for making that gift. Thank you for doing it now. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. Through Life's Mission Feeding Outreach, you can save lives by feeding and caring for children currently suffering in parts of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need your support to replenish food supplies to reach the 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Death-Defying Faith, The Extraordinary Life of Miracle Man Peter Pretorius. This autobiography, completed just days before his unexpected death, chronicles the thrill-seeking adventures of missionary Peter Pretorius. You will love reading how God took this ordinary man and performed extraordinary miracles throughout all of Africa. With your gift of $100 or more, request the beautiful Faith and Hope pen set, two beautifully crafted pens featuring the key words of Hebrews 11.1, 1, a key verse for every believer, especially when facing adversity, trials, and challenges. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online. I've made it clear that uh, this is just the last days for this period of time for the next months. And Randy and I are praying, Betty's praying, everybody that loves people and sees what love does is praying. We need a lot of help to reach these children and to feed them. We've got some beautiful gifts to send you, but here, listen to me. This is a great book. Yes, it is. Great truth. Great writer. If you'd like to have it, and you just help us give food, a bowl, ask for it. You can get it in the bookstores, you can get it online, you tell your friends to get it. Let's help those kids. And you want this book, we'll send it to you and say thank you. And I know Lee will be rejoicing over the miracle you've just brought about mm -hmm. because of love. Would you join Randy, Randy and me saying thanks to Lee? You're a blessing, thank you. Sir. You're a gift from God, bless you. Appreciate you greatly. Thank all of you here in the studio.
Thank all of you at home. Thanks so much for helping. We believe in miracles. know this is a time of the year when we can consider a very special love gift, a year-end gift, and I, I pray you'll do that because the opportunity is so great, the responsibility is great, and we depend upon you. Thanks for what you do. They really felt like that I was dying, and Debbie and I actually said our goodbyes. Robert Morris, next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.